Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Simplifying the Sod. Today is uh, November 24th. It's the 20th of Kislev. Uh, the class today is, uh, the Perashah this week is Vayeshev. The class today is based on Rav Pinchas Friedman. It's uh, uh, based on a class we also we gave uh, at uh, Seudah Shalishi this, uh, this Shabbat. It's about Yosef being a Gilgul. A reincarnation of Hanoch. We need to understand where the the idea of Yosef being a, a Gilgul of Hanoch comes from and how it differs from an Ibor. And we're going to see how it relates to Hanukkah and the idea of educating and enlightening outsiders. So uh, we know this Shabbat we're going to read the Parashava Yeshev. And uh, also this coming Sunday night we begin uh, Hanukkah. So we're going to really focus this week's parasha on one word. And we're going to see how one word can give us such incredible, incredible lessons. Really, you see how amazing the Torah is and how much is, is, is given in, in three letters. So in the beginning of this week's parasha, we read, Ele toldot Yaakov. These are the generations, the children of Yaakov. And then it only gives us one, Yosef. Yosef, and uh, Rashi explains why it's telling us Yosef. Now Yosef was, the Pasuk continues, Ben Sheva Esreshanah, tells us his age, he was 17 years old. We're going to see he had 17 years, Yaakov, with Yosef, and then, you, and then you're going to see the last 17 years of his life, he again has 17 years with Yosef, and those apparently were the best years of his life. It always reminds me that I was Zohar, that I had 17 years uh, with Rabbi Avitan uh, to, to really uh, study and change my life. Um... And uh, it says that uh, again, it's written a little strange. He was watching his brothers with the with the sheep. Uh, the translation in English was saying with his brothers, but it seems almost that he's watching his brothers watching the sheep. And it tells us that he was a young man. And it, this is the word we're going to focus on because if we already know he's seventeen years old, why do we need this word? Naar again, Rashi is going to comment and tell us it's about how he looked in the mirror and he fixed his hair. And then it continues, Et bene bilhave, et bene zilpa, neshe'aviv. And again, it's uh, with his sons. Again, we're looking at this word et and translating it in a way. Something to do with bilha and zilpa's children. Now remember that that uh, the, the youngest children weren't the children of bilha and zilpa. The youngest children next to Yosef were actually Yisachar and Zivulun. We see that uh, when... Uh, First, Leah has her four children. Then Rachel gives her her uh, handmaid into Yaakov, and there's two children. Then Leah gives hers. There's two children. Then Leah actually has two more children plus Dina. And finally, we have Yosef. So the the ones who are probably closest in age, or more or less similar in age, are uh, are the children of Leah. Um, so we're not sure again what that is, but we're not going to focus on any of those questions this week. We can focus on those afterwards. We're going to focus on this word Naar. Why does Yosef? Why does the Torah f- refer to Yosef as Sadiq as Naar, as a youth? So we go to the Tikkun Zohar, and the Tikkun Zohar tells us something absolutely amazing. It tells us that Yosef Hasadik was a reincarnation, a Gilgul, of Chanoch ben Yered. Chanoch. We know Hanoch ben Yered. Hanoch is the son of Yered. Hanoch is the father of Metushelach. And we, we see that, uh, 
that Hanoch, we know that he died early, and we're going to see that the Pasuk doesn't say that he died. So the Tikkun Zohar says that, that Yosef was a Gilgul, a reincarnation of Hanoch, and Hanoch ascended to the heavens while still alive to become the angel Matat. This is something unbelievable. A person leaves this world and becomes an angel. We see similar with Eliyahu Hanavi, but in Eliyahu Hanavi, maybe we understand a different way. The angel came into Eliyahu. This phenomenon we see based on the Pasuk, Vayithalech Chanoch et HaElokim. Chanoch walked with Hashem. Ve'enenu, he's no more. It doesn't say he died. It just says, Enenu, he's no more. Ki oto Elokim. Because Hashem took him. The, targu, the Targum Yonatan explains, Chanoch served Hashem faithfully. He's no longer among the inhabitants of the earth. He was taken and ascended to the heavens before Hashem. And Hashem called him Metatron. Metatron is the great scribe. This is the angel that we see as the highest angel, almost described Kabbalistically and in a number of places as a shadow of Hashem. When people were confused, it says about the, the, there's a duality. In the duality they were perceiving as matat. Matat is so related, so close to Hashem, that it's considered almost like a, a shadow. And this, we, we learn based on the Zohar, on the, on the Tikkunei Zohar, also based on Targum Yonatan, also based on other sources, this is Chanoch. Chanoch who ascended, ascended alive. Now how do we know Chanoch comes back as Noach? We turn to the words of Shlomo HaMelech in Mishle. It's a very famous pasuk. Chanoch lanar al pidarko. Educate a, a, a youth as befits him. So based on this, Chanoch lanar. Chanoch becomes the naar. Who is described as the naar? We see the word here, naar, used to describe Yosef HaSadik. And Rabbeinu Ha'ari, he writes specifically in Sha'ar HaGilulim. Ki Yosef HaSadik... Yosef, the, the righteous Yosef HaSadik, we call Yosef the Sadik because he was Shomer Nebrit. He is Zacha, he was Zoche, he was uh, merited. La Neshama Zu Shel Chanoch. He merited this Neshama Shel Chanoch. So we have to understand first that to make sure that we understand that this is a Gilgul. And we're going to question if it's a Gilgul, what, what's going on? So we also see Yosef HaSadik, he possesses this Neshama Hanoch, based on this Vehunar. And we understand when a Sadiq's Neshama comes and returns to the world in reincarnation, it's there to rectify something that he failed during his life. And the question is, what Tikkun did Hanoch require that made him come back to earth to become Yosef HaSadik? Just to clarify for a second, we've discussed a number of times, what's the difference between a Gilgul and an Ibur Neshama. So in Ibur Neshama, we translate it loosely as pregnancy of a Neshama, is when a Neshama is on this world. And what happens is that Neshama does something to merit that a Neshama from heaven will come back, come down to earth, attach itself to his or her Neshama in order to boost the Neshama, gives them strength. We see an aspect of Ibur Neshama with the Miraglim, when the Miraglim were uh, going into Eretz Israel, we see that that the souls of the original Shevatim were drawn down to boost them, but sometimes it doesn't help. It didn't work. 
Uh, we, we saw that we could look back at the class there, or we can go over it again when we come to the the Perashav, the Meraglim again. But we, we see that that's the aspect of Ibur. So when it says Yosef Zaha, meaning we would think that it would be an Ibur. Yosef has a soul and he has an Ibur of Hanukh. But the, the Arizal and the other sources telling us, no, this is a Gilgul. Therefore, if he's a Gilgul, that means Hanukh is returning to earth. When you're returning to earth, there has to be a purpose. There has to be a Tikkun. There has to be something that I need to go and fix. So what what could we see that 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 Hanukh, who becomes this angel matat, the shadow of Hashem, what could we imagine that he has to return to earth if he already achieved this very high level? But we have to understand that to become a malach is not the ultimate. We do not find our father Abraham, Abraham Avinu, we do not find Abraham Avinu ascended alive to heaven to become a malach. Because we see that Abraham Avinu chose a different path. Rather than remaining isolated all day long, communicating only with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, what did Abraham do? He chose to fraternize with others outside of his home in order to bring those people closer to Hashem. Abraham Avinu understood he is the first of the Avot. He is our father. What did he understand? He understood that this was not the purpose for which man was created. He was not created for the purpose of ascending to heaven alive and being transformed into an angel. Hashem has myriads of angelic creatures, billions of angelic creatures in the heavens. Hence, Hashem created Adam in the capacity of a human being. And as a human being, man is meant to associate with other human beings and introduce them to Hashem and His Torah. People ask, what's the difference between Abraham? How could you tell me he's the first one to discover Hashem? When we already have Yeshivat Shem and Ever, we had Noah. What do you mean Abraham is the first? Abraham is the first to take Hashem and spread and teach Hashem to others. In the yeshiva of Shem Ever, it was a closed school like Noah, closed in the ark. Whoever wants to come can learn inside. But we don't spread, we don't share, we don't go out and, and, and convince and tell people that Hashem is there. What does Abraham do? Abraham is there for other people. We have to remember also, just to see this really clearly, if we go back a few parashiyot, we see, Abraham. Abraham sees Hashem. The Hashem comes to visit Abraham after the Brit Milah. Abraham is sitting outside the third day, Kechom Hayom, the heat of the day. He's there and Hashem comes to do to do uh, visiting the sick. And what happens then? Abraham sees angels and we see basically Abraham seems to say to Hashem, Hashem, hold on, got to take care of business. And that's why Abraham is the partner of Hashem. It's their business together. It's their business together. Abraham tells Hashem, I'll be back. So if you're sitting there talking to Hashem, the rabbis tell us, look, he goes to do chesed and tells Hashem, okay, I'll be back. Wait up for me. So we see that the purpose of Hashem is to go and the purpose of people is to go and do the chesed, is to come out into people. So now we have to understand why do we have Hanoch's neshama having to come back as Yosef HaSadiq? And we see this based on, we said, Hanoch Lana'ar. So to understand, Hanoch, the rabbis tell you he was taken before his time. If we look at Rashi there, we look at the other commentaries, we see that Hanoch was taken before his time because there was a fear that Hanoch going out into the world would be affected by those in the world. 
So we see that Hanoch basically was afraid to step out of his four Amot and Hashem took him early so he would not be infected by the negativity of those around him. But it's not simple and straightforward. If you're going to tell me that Hanoch failed, then how are you going to tell me that he merited to ascend to Shamayim alive and be transformed into an angel? So we have to see that this is an incidence like we see in many other places where Hashem is judging a Sadiq based on the 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 kechut hasara, like the the width of the breath or the, of of a, of a hair. I mean, it's it's really judging him to the nth degree. So it seems that it was arranged from above that this neshama, which was Chanoch, which didn't step out of his four amot and was staying protected within his own ohel, so to say, that he would be Yosef, who sold into Egypt which is identified as the most immoral of places. And there, what does Yosef do? As Yosef has Sadiq, he paves the way for all B'nai Israel to be able to safeguard themselves from immorality and sanctify themselves. The Midrash itself is very specific. It tells us Yosef Yarad la Mitzrayim. Yosef went down to Egypt. Ve'gadar atzmo min ha'irva. And he safeguarded himself from immorality. And he protected also Bnei Israel in his merit. On account of this alone, Israel deserved to be to be redeemed. So, a question came up in the class, and the question really was, "Well, what what, what do we see? What do you mean that Yosef? Well, Yosef, he, he so we see that Yosef when he is." Uh, He's, let's say, attacked um, by the wife of Potiphar. And when she tries to seduce him, and he's able to withstand the seduction, she plans it on a day when nobody is home. And she plans the seduction, and let me just tell you, a 17-year-old boy should have fallen for the seduction. And he's able to hold back, and again, we've had classes on what he was able to do and how uh, how he, he, he was able to pull help. But this... And, and, and we said further that, that she was in some way connected to his soul. So she was calling him not only from a physical way, but also on the highest spiritual level. And I think that's why the Midrash tells us later that he marries the daughter of Potiphar. Because that was their, their, there was a spiritual connection between him and that family. And what happens is he's able to resist. Because he's able to resist B'nai Israel when they're in Egypt is protected from Mitzrayim. And we see that during the 210 years that B'nai Israel are in Egypt, with whatever we accuse them of, we see that they did not mix with the Egyptians. Hashem kept them separate. We have saved for one case, the case of uh, of uh, Bat Dibra, the, the, woman who, uh, the woman who is taken, who is the wife of... Uh, of uh, Just drew a blank. The wife of uh, uh, Datan, and uh, and the, the the foreman sends Datan out early, the taskmaster, the Egyptian, and he and he sleeps with her, and uh, from them there's an offspring. But this is the only case of uh, of a woman who's taken 
and a, an interaction between uh, one of Bnei Israel and one of Mitzrayim. So this whole protection was because of uh, Yosef. Yosef's action act as a protection. So it turns out that Yosef, by withstanding the test and temptation of immorality in Mitzrayim, he paves the way for all Bnei Israel to remain pure and sanctified. He basically built this fence that Hashem erected to allow Bnei Israel to succeed. And in doing that, he completes the tikkun required by the Neshama of Hanoch. Hanoch's shortcoming, if we're going to call it that, was that he failed to vacate his Dalet Amot. He failed to go out and draw others into the service of Hashem. Now, however, as Yosef, the same Neshama, leaves the comfort and security of his father's home, he's forced to endure the tremendous hardships in Mitzrayim in order to pave the way for Bnei Israel to come closer to their father in Shemaim. And all of this makes amends for what Hanoch failed to do in the previous incarnation. Let's look at what our teacher Rabbeinu Ha'ari reveals to us in Sha'ar HaPesukim. He tells us that one of the reasons Bnei Israel was subjected to such arduous and extreme servitude in Mitzrayim was because, as we discussed before, they were the same neshamot who were corrupted in their ways during the door of the Mabul, during the generation of the flood. And due to the bitter slavery they endured during their exile in Mitzrayim, they're able to purify themselves, achieve their tikkun. Therefore, just as they were punished in the previous incarnation and the flood, we see even some were punished in Mitzrayim through water. Call Haben Hayilot, every boy who's born, they're going to throw him into the sea. Now we learn from the Khatam Sofer that this minor shortcoming of Chanoch was what? He failed to step out of his Dalit Amot. He failed to rebuke his generation. And because of that, what happens? The generation of the Dora Mabul results as a consequence of his veiled failure to rebuke the people of the generation. Those people, he could have, remember, he's the father of Metushelach. Metushelach dies the day the flood was supposed to begin and the flood is delayed seven days after the death of Metushelach. So Hanoch could have affected that whole generation. He could have affected them and possibly stopped the evil that led to the Mabul. And those people who committed the evil, what did they do? They were reincarnated into Bnei Israel who served in Egypt. So in order to correct the failure that we're calling it, the shortcoming that we're calling it, the minor, minor mistake we're going to call it of Hanoch, his neshama reincarnated into Yosef HaSadik, and this minor, minor mistake we see has tremendous ramifications. And therefore, as the neshama of Yosef, he sold into Egypt. He withstands the test of immorality. He paves the way of all Bnei Israel, who in Egypt were who? The reincarnation of the generation of the flood. And they're going to sanctify themselves in Mitzrayim. In this manner, what does he do as Yosef? He, accompli- he accomplishes the necessary tikkun for Chanoch's neshama. Chanoch's neshama, who failed to rebuke the people of the, of the generation of the flood, causes them to reincarnate in the time of the flood. But Chanoch returns for the people he put there. And what does he do? He protects them as Yosef. That's the protection. So now we can understand the Torah starts the whole story of the sale of Yosef. 
And it says, He's a Nar to tell us that the whole reason Yosef is sold into Mitzrayim because, was because he was a Nar. He was, it says, Hanoch Lanar. Hanoch turns into the Nar. Hanoch was transformed into the angel Matat. Consequently, it was an imperative that he paved the way for the Nishamot of the generation of the flood of the Dor HaMabul to sanctify themselves in Mitzrayim. Let's go further. The Zohar Kadosh tells us, Chanoch, we say, who was ascended to heaven while he was still alive and becomes the angel Matat. He says, let's try to understand the connection between Chanoch Lanar al Pidarko, this pasuk from Shlomo HaMelech in Mishlei, Ki, Gam ki yaskin lo yasur mimena. Also, when he gets older, so if you take a child and you educate them in the right way, then when they get old, the Torah, the information, the lessons that you taught aren't going to leave them. So seemingly, we have a legitimate defense. Remember we said, Rashi brings, other, 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 other uh, commentators bring. What happened? Chanoch. And the Chatam Sofer himself writes, Hanoch was afraid that he's going to be corrupted by the people of the generation. And this is why Rashi says Hashem took him early. Because Hashem saw also, he agreed. Hashem wasn't assured by Hanoch to leave him in the generation of those people. He was worried that he's going to follow their ways and he's not going to stand stand the test like Abraham. And therefore, what happens? He has to come back. Had it been the case that... So so the the question is, if you're going to tell me that he has an excuse... Listen, if I can't deal with it, I have to stay within my Dalaramot. I stay in the yeshiva. I stay in my tent. I study Torah. I do everything that I can do because I'm afraid to go outside. I'm going to be infected. I'm going to be infected. There's a, there's a disease outside. I have to go and I have to quarantine. And this is what Hanoch did. So you tell me Hanoch did what he was supposed to do. And still, what, what does he have to become a Gilgul? Didn't he fulfill? Okay, he didn't do everybody. He did what he had to do. So, the Shivlei Pinchas beautifully suggests that what's the answer? Okay, we understand Hanoch couldn't go out to change the people of his generation. But what could he have done? The Gemara tells us that Achaz, Melech Yehuda, this king of Judah, his name was Achaz. And what is his name? His name is Achaz because he seized. The word Achaz seems to seize. He seized control of the Bate Knesset, the Bate Midrash, of the synagogues, of the study halls. And what did he do? He prevented the children from learning Torah. He prevented the children from learning Torah. And he said, if there's no baby goats, there's no big goats. Meaning if there's no students, there's no children learning Torah, there's no one who's going to grow up to learn Torah, to know Torah. So therefore, what are we suggesting? The main criticism against Hanoch, it's not that he didn't go out and change the generation who was already doing evil. But what Hanoch could have done was he could have gone after the children. He could have gone after the young ones 
to educate them in the right way in order for them to know. And therefore, we see the Pasuk is telling us this. If you teach the child when he's young, he's going to go in the right way. And when he gets older, he's not going to deviate from it. This is what the, the, the job is. This is the main tikkun of Chanoch. The minister of the world is Chanoch Lanar Al Pidako. Because if you teach a child when he's young, it's always going to stay with him. The rabbis in the Gemara teach us in Avodazara that this angel Matat, this shadow of Hashem, what is his job? He teaches Torah, unbelievable to young children that died in infancy. There's a, uh, a piyut that some people say, I, I don't know, I don't think we say it, I think the Ashkenazim may say it, that maybe Hasidim say it, I don't know who says it, but there's a piyut that tells us, Takif Metatron Sar, the mighty minister Metatron, who was changed, La'esh Mi Basar, to fire from flesh, Melamed Musar, he teaches Musar Leyalde or Nimsar to the children who were thrown into the fire. Based on this, this angel Matat, who's in Chanoch, he teaches the children in order to make amends for not leaving his home to teach the children of his generation before they could become corrupted. Now let's see how all of this relates to this holiday of Chanukah and a lesson for us as we're going to celebrate. <clears throat> the Shilah HaKadosh teaches us that the miracle of Hanukkah is related to Hanukkah, who was the angel Matat, the ministering angel of the Olam, of the world. As we know, the entire world was created with the letter Hey, Hey, We have a pasuk in Bereshit, Ele toldot hashamayim ve'aretz behibaram. Behibaram, the rabbis comment, what do you mean behibaram? Behei, with the hay, the world was created. Similarly, this illusion in the name Chanukah is a union between the name Chanoch and the letter hay. In other words, the name Chanukah alludes to the inauguration of this world whose ministering angel is Chanoch, who is the angel Matat, and the world which was created with the letter hay. The Shilah HaKadosh is telling us the inauguration of the Bet HaMikdash was on Hanukkah. It represents the inauguration of the world. For the world was created for the Torah and the fulfillment of mitzvot. What did the Yevanim wish to abolish? The Greeks came to abolish the dedication of Bnei Israel to Torah mitzvot. When the Hashmonaim were victorious, this is what we celebrate on Hanukkah, it was a victory for Torah and mitzvot. So the victory of the Hashmonaim was in fact a victory for Torah and Mitzvot. It, it constitutes a form of an inauguration for the world. And Hanukkah, we know the word Hanukkah represents inauguration, represents inauguration of the world. The Shelah HaKadosh quotes the Gemara, who identifies the minister of the world, Hanukkah, as the one who uttered the Pasuk, Nar Hayiti Vigam Zakanti. Again, we're associating Nar Hayiti Nar Haiti, I was once a youth, I have also aged. Once again, Chanoch is referred to as a Nar. So, according to the Shilah Kadosh, 
the world was inaugurated on Hanukkah due to the victory of the Chashmonaim on behalf of the Torah and Mitzvot. Nevertheless, we have to ask the question, why did the Chachamim see fit to emphasize that there's an integral relationship between the name Hanukkah and the union of Hanukh, the minister of the world with the letter He? The implication is that not only did the world require Tikkun, but Hanukh did as well. And it's fascinating to consider what the connection is between Hanukh, the angel Matat, and the miracle of Hanukkah. Let's go further. We're going to see an amazing connection between, between the, 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 the people here, the, the, the characters we're going to say. We could refer to them as that is holy. So just as we demonstrated a connection between Hanukh, the angel Matat, and the miracle of Hanukkah, we're going to see there's also a connection between Yosef HaSadiq, the Gilgul of Hanukh, and the miracle of Hanukkah. The Zera Kodesh quotes the Megale Amukot, where he writes that the Kedushah of Yosef HaSadiq nullifies the Klipa, the negative forces of Yavan. And therefore he says something unbelievable. Now I have to tell you a story. I have my grandson is Yosef. He's little. He's five years old, six years old. And five years old, I think. And Yosef, when he was younger, a year or two ago, he would call anyone who did something bad, who he perceived as doing bad to him, he would call him, you are Antiochus. You are Antiochus. Who is Antiochus? Antiochus was the Melech Yavan, the king of the Greeks. He's the the uh, the person, the Hashmonaim, are basically fighting against. He's the negative character in the villain, in the whole story of Hanukkah. So my grandson Yosef, whose name is Yosef, he's, he's named first, he's named for his uncle, uh, his uncle, but he's named also for uh, his two great-grandfathers. So this Yosef would yell at people, Yo Antiochus! And the funny thing is, my daughter reminded me, who did he yell at the most? My son, whose name is Yosef. He would yell at him that, Yo Antiochus! What's the connection between Yosef and Antiochus? It's unbelievable the Megale Amukot tells us that the word Yosef, the gematria of Yosef, the name Yosef, we know is 156. This gematria 156 is equal to the words Melech, Yavan, the king of Yavan, Melech Yavan. We have Mem 40, Lamed 30, Chaf 20, so that's 90. Yavan 10 is 100, and, and Nun is 50, and Vav is 6, 156 Melech Yavan. But something that's even more incredible, it's not only that Yosef is equal as a counter against Melech Yavan, Yosef is also the counter against the king himself, whose name is Antiochus, whose gematria is also 156. The name Antiochus is 156. So Yosef is the one who is able to go against how. The Zerah Kodesh writes, again, remember, he says in the name of the Megalam, Yosef. The klipa, the negativity of the kingdom of Greece was, was the klipa that was against the midah, the attribute of Yosef. And he quotes the Megalamukot, Shemelech Yavan Gematria Yosef. 
And he says, Velachen, therefore, Gazru Ayevanim, Levatel Hamila. What did the Greeks try to stop? They wanted to stop the mitzvah of Brit Milah. Shehu Bechinat Yosef, because this is relating to Yosef, because what happens? Yosef is the one who's the Shomer, the Brit, who watches the Brit. Yosef is the one who's Yisot, who's connected to Brit Milah. And they wanted to go against Yosef, who is representative of the Brit Milah. Because what did they do? They wanted to raise up this klipa, this negativity of the ervat, the immorality of the land. And what happens? Yosef himself, he changes because he guarded himself from the erva. And he stood the test. And also, when he was in Egypt, which is called what? Ervata Aretz. The place of the most immorality. It's the, the, the pit of, of, uh, of the world when it comes to that. Shehayu kulam shetufezima. All of them in that place were, 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 were immoral. Yosef there, he protected him. He defended himself. He stopped himself. He was able to overcome. And therefore, Yosef is the one who helps B'nai Yisrael. So we have, a, we have here a demonstration that both Hanoch and Yosef, the Gilgul of Hanoch, are implicitly connected to the miracle of Hanukkah. Now let's look at the common thread. The Magen Avraham writes, Nohagim Hanarim. He writes in the Shulchan Aruch, his commentary on the Shulchan Aruch. He writes that it's a custom of the young men. Ne'arim. Again, we use this word na'ar. Ha'aniim, the poor ones. Lesaviv, to go around Bahanukah. To the doors. Basically, he says that there's a, a custom among the people. He writes in Shulchan Aruch that on Hanukkah, the young poor men, the young poor, go door to door to collect charity. And the question is, what do you mean the young poor? What about the regular poor? The old poor? The old poor? Why specifically does he say the young poor? We're going to see again a beautiful lesson. We have the connection. Chanoch, the angel Matat. Chanukah. There's a connection between Yosef, the Gilgul of Chanuk, and Chanukah. And we see in the al Hanisim. what does it say? We we're going to read beginning on Sunday night. When the evil Greek regime rose against your people to make them forget the Torah. And the rabbis are puzzled. What are we saying? The evil Greeks rose to make you forget the Torah. How do you forget something? Okay, maybe you heard, learned it, and then what do they do that make you forget? Once you learn it, you learned it. What was their strategy to make B'nai Israel forget the Torah? And their strategy was the strategy of Achaz. Achaz said, if there's no young goats, there's no older goats. And this was the plan of the Greeks. The Khatam Sofer addresses the Gemara statement. Mitzvat Chanukah Ishu Beto. The mitzvah of Chanukah is for a man in his household, a person in his household. Perush al derech asher yitzaveh et bana ve'et peto achara ve'shamru darach Hashem. He says this is based on a verse from Bereshit that it's important to educate one's children and his household after him that they should follow 
the words, the way of Hashem. The Chatam Sofer writes, Umizeh, from this, we learn Musad has an important lesson. Shehayav, that it's required. Al Ha'av, Lechanech Beno, Bemidot Tovot, that it's important for a father to teach his children in the proper Pimidot. He says, before he reaches Esrim Shana, before he reaches the age of 20. He says, this is alluded to in the laws pertaining to the handles of Hanukkah. Because we have a statement from the rabbis. One who is diligent regarding the mitzvah of lighting candles, he's going to have children who are Talmidei Chachamim, Torah scholars. We also have this reference for lighting the, the candles on Hanukkah, that we know that we can't place those candles higher than 20 amot, exactly. This teaches us that if one puts off the education of one's children, until after they're 20 years old, the education is invalid and will not be successful. We learn this also related to the victory of the Chashmonaim over the Greeks. The Greeks oppressed B'nai Israel by attempting them to forget and abandon Hashem's Torah. How? They tried to prevent education of the youth. So when the Chashmonaim defeated them, they established the practice of lighting candles, Ish Ubeto. The whole idea of Hanukkah is within the house. The practice was aimed at educating the youth in the ways of Torah. And that fulfills the Pasuk of Shlomo HaMelech. Chanoch lanar al We come back full circle. Ki gam ki yaskin lo yasur bimena. If you teach the child when he's young, also when he gets old, it's not going to leave him. Our rabbis instituted the following procedure. When we light the candles of Hanukkah, Tanura Banan, Ner Hanukkah Mitzvah, Lahanicha Al Petach Petomi Bachutz. The real mitzvah on lighting the candles of Hanukkah is to light the Hanukkah, to light the menorah outside of our doorway, outside in the street. Basically, on one side is the mezuzah, and the other side is the Hanukkah, the menorah. So that we have the two miracles, one on one side, one on the other. And that the people going by should be able to see it. That's why we're supposed to light the menorah specifically at a time when people are walking back towards home, the end of the day. But the Gemara goes on and says, in a time when it's dangerous, what do we do? We're afraid to put it outside. Manicha al shulchano video. He puts it on his table and it's enough. He can leave it inside. The Magid of Koshnitz tells us, Chanukah is aimed primarily at enlightening those who are still standing outside the realm of Kiddushah. It's designed to illuminate all of creation so that everyone is going to come to recognize Hashem. And to enlighten all of the worlds. They should come to understand and know that Hashem alone, He is the ruler in the entire universe. So we have a Chazal statement, but what happens 
in a dangerous time, what do you do? You can't put it outside. You have to leave it inside. Chazal is alluding to a situation where it's dangerous to go to enlightened people beyond the realm of Kiddushah. Because you're going to get corrupted yourself. Under those circumstances, what do you do? You can't go outside. You place it on the table in the house and you enlighten the members of the household that are inside. Inside. What does this remind us of? It reminds us of the chinuch, of, of, of the, 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 the tikkun of Hanoch. What was Hanoch afraid of? He was afraid to leave his arba, his four amot, his dalen amot. He was afraid to venture outside because the rabbis tell us that he would have possibly been corrupted. Therefore, there's a provision within the mitzvah of Hanukkah to address this eventuality. In a dangerous time, you place it al shulchanoh. And it's enough. Certainly, the ideal method of performing this mitzvah is what? To put it outside the doorway so that everyone should be seeing it opposite the mezuzah. But when you can't, you have to at least educate the children. You have to educate those inside. You have to make sure that the youth are not going to be corrupted. And the Magen Avraham. So we could go back and we could understand the, the, the custom that the Magen Avraham mentions as a commentary on the Shulchan Aruch. So this is what the Magen Avraham is writing. That it's customary for the Ne'arim, for the Na'ar, for the youth to go around on Hanukkah. And the youth, the poor youth, what is he talking about? He says that the inyan, the story, the the whole essence of Hanukkah is based on this pasuk Hanukh lanar apidago. Do the incredible illumination. Do this incredible illumination. Yuchal gam adam shebemadrega naar lechanoch oto laavodat Hashem. You could also take a man who is. At the at the level of teaching the youth, he, he's to, to the avodat Hashem, and you could prepare him, you could educate him to do what's proper. So we have to understand, all is related to the tikkun of Hanoch, the minister of the world. He reincarnated as Yosef. He's referred to as Nahar. The reincarnation was deemed necessary since Hanoch required a tikkun because what? He failed to educate the youth of his generation. So it's customary for the youth who are poor, alluding to those youth who are uninitiated in the ways of Torah, to go from door to door. Where is the Hanukkiah? Outside the door. To be enlightened in the ways of the Torah. This is a reminder for B'nai Israel, for all of us, that it's incumbent upon us to emerge from the security and comfort our homes, of our homes in order to spread the light to those standing outside. What an amazing thing on Hanukkah. What we have to do on Hanukkah is we have to share the light. We have to share the light. Torah or. Torah is light. Vener mitzvah. We have to go outside and bring this mitzvah to other people. I remember years ago, uh, one, of the, one of the young girls in the shul, she was working and teaching in Germany. And, she ha- and, and there, were, there were people there, there were Jews there that had no idea of Hanukkah, or very little. And what we arranged to do was to send Hanukkah as a whole bunch of cases of menorot, cases of candles, in order to be able to give each of them to be able to do the mitzvah. I think it's a beautiful thing when you see the, the boys, uh, the Chabad boys go out door to door, 
and they're giving out the menorah, they're giving out the candles in order for people to light the candles and to understand that this is the idea to spread the Torah. We have to be careful that we have to know that the idea of Hanukkah is this idea of spirituality. It's to spread the light of Torah. It's not about the gifts. It's not about the presents. It's not about the dreidels. It's not about the gambling. It's not about the jelly donuts. It's not about the lockets. It's really about the light. The light of spreading the Torah. The light of learning the Torah. The light of looking at the light. We have to remember that the rabbis tell us the Or Haganus, the hidden light from creation. We spoke about last week. The Or Haganus, this light that Hashem created when it says, it says Hashem says, Yehi Or Vahi Or, let there be light, there was light. But the sun doesn't come for a few days. And it says Hashem took this light and hid it for the Tzadikim. You want to know where this light is hidden? This light is hidden in the candles of Hanukkah. And that's why the rabbis tell us when we light the lights of Hanukkah, we should look at the lights. Look at the lights and take in the Or Haganus and connect ourselves to the light of Torah, the light of mitzvot, and share that light with other people. It's a beautiful thing. You take a fire, light another candle, you don't diminish your own. Take your Torah. Your Torah is there to lilmod, ulelamod, ulelamed, to learn and to teach. Every time you learn something, make sure to give it over to someone else. Give something of what you learned over to someone else and that will make it part of you. Step out of your Dalit Amot. Step out of your comfort zone. Have a conversation with your kids. Have a conversation with the family. Have a conversation with the neighbor. Have a conversation with your friends. Have a conversation with people who aren't your friends. Meet people and say to them and spread to them the beauty of Torah. I was having a conversation with a guy in India and he wanted to know, how come I didn't answer the phone? I called you five times on Saturday morning. Why didn't you answer? And I explained to him that what we do is on Friday afternoon, we take the phone, we take the TV, we take the news, we take the internet, we take all of it and we turn it off. And we have 25 hours to focus, to focus on the light, to focus on our families, to focus on the community, to focus internally. And he said to me, I wish I could learn your lesson. He said, I'm a slave to all of this. We have to teach the world. You don't have to be a slave. B'nai Israel is going to be a light onto the nations, the prophet tells us. A light onto the nations. What better light to share with them than to share the light of Hanukkah? We shouldn't learn from them to turn Hanukkah into this holiday all about the material, all about the nonsense. We should teach them that Hanukkah is about spirituality. It's about overcoming what the Greeks said was important. It's about overcoming the Hellenism of the Greeks. It's about focusing on the beauty, the internal beauty, not the external beauty, the internal beauty of the Torah Mitzvot. Everybody, Shabbat Shalom. Have a wonderful, wonderful Hanukkah. And remember, there's another class also that's recorded on this week's Berashah. Please uh, take the time to listen to both. Take care, everyone. See you next week.